0: Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of like your, your name is out there. It is in these streets. It is in these artist circles. I am talking with speaking with Baltimore based artist, curator, cultural producer. Please welcome Jeffrey Kent. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, that's what's up. Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: Appreciate you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for uh, inviting me.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, you know, one of those things where as you're, you're, you're getting more, uh, traction, you're getting more opportunities and it's like, wow, you know, we've been in similar circles just as this thing has grown. And I just remember, um, being at the out of order show and I was like, there's Jeffrey again. I got to get this interview. What am I doing? <laughs> nice, nice. nice.
1: You, you just reminded me, I got to pick up my artwork that I won that night. I keep forgetting that. Got to
0: get clear on that. See, there you go When we're out here I'm just, you know, serving you Serving you out here That's what's um, up That's what's up <laughs> So, I like to always start off I give a very sparse um, introduction And that's um, that's in part because I really like to have the guests come on and, and really, you know, talk about what their background is What they consider those vital stats So, you know, tell us about your background How would you you, you pitch yourself out there to folks who are undipped Who are unfamiliar with you?
1: Well I would first of all, start off with I'm a crack addict. Um, I'm a recovering crack addict. I'll add that, too. But I'm always going to be a crack addict, once a crack addict. Um, And uh, it's been probably like 20, about 20 years now since the last time I used Coke or crack, I'm proud to say. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not ashamed of that part of my life because it made me who the person I am today. There's no doubt about that. And I'm extremely proud of the person I am today. I think I'm dope. And uh, I try to help other people be dope or become doper than they already are because most people I run into are already dope. Uh, And I'm a practicing Baltimore-based artist, as you mentioned. And I work around social justice, social activism. um, I try to create initiatives to uplift others, and I'm out here trying to make money at the same time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> stack try stack it. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: want to say that verbally, and we all need to just keep talking about it coming because it's always coming. Yeah, and um, that's the energy I try to project, man. You know, I want it to keep coming.
0: And, and I and that's something that you you hear about um, just what manifestation you know positive affirmation just putting that energy out there and not just like you're not being quiet about it like being like like rambunctious about it. it's like look man I'm I'm just trying to take this shit over right now you know
1: <laughs> exactly exactly I, 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 I try to be respectful but at the same time not trying to be humble am I stuck
0: no you're good I can still hear you
1: okay you know, I just got my internet. Infinity came in today and reconnected all my wires. They tell all my speed is, is faster than that. So I would have been really pissed off if I was stuck again. Right <laughs> after the same got left. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all I'm really about, is trying to keep things moving.
0: Yeah, love to hear that. Um, so I've heard like several, and, and I've been really on this kind of deep dive and, you know, listening to, um, I, I consume books, you know, some people talk about reading and all of that. I consume them. I, you know, I have the audio books and I got to do multiple things at once. And I've made that part of my practice. So I've been, you know, on this deep dive with Austin Cleon, listening to that. I just finished, um, Dee's book, uh, Black Boy or what have you, which, you know, was great in, pre- in preparing for the interview and all, but nice. I've heard, you know, several artists of various disciplines describe like copying and stealing and not in a negative sense, but copying and stealing is a way of saying how they're influenced by someone. So who are some of the people that you're influenced then with your, your, your artist, your art practice?
1: So the people that I'm influenced by usually have been people that I've met. Yeah. Um, originally, I'm self-taught as an art maker. I just started doing it one day and fell in love with it. And then after doing it for about 10 to 15 years, I decided I wanted to go to school and get a master's degree. And so I was able to do so. And while getting my master's degree,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I had the privilege of working with one of my heroes. When I first started painting, I learned about Sam Gilliam. Yeah. And the thing that, most, that I was most attracted by to Sam Gilliam's work was the impasto the texture, the hand of his artwork. You can see that it's a handmade object and it's rigorous yeah. in the application of practice practicing painting. And when I went to Micah for my master's degree, he was the artist in residence for the program that I was attending and okay. I was only black student. So, you know, I just, I took all his time, basically. The rest of them didn't know who he was. They didn't know what, what. Yeah, they didn't know how to handle it. So, I just like I I was very selfish (laughs) with his time while I was at Micah. And so that would be the first one I would mention. Um, There's another artist by the name of Frank Smith, who I met um, when I just started painting. Uh, For about two years, I was painting. I met him. He was a professor at Howard, and he was one of the founding members of. Uh, artist group out of Chicago Mm -hmm. called Afro Cobra. Okay. And um, he taught me a lot of things and I took a lot. And so Frank Smith was an artist who I learned a lot about how to use a sewing machine and using thread. The other artists that inspire me are Duchamp. Yeah. uh, Picasso, obviously. And... um, Romeo Bearden, yeah, that that's some work that has influenced me when I saw it in person. Um, Basquiat, obviously, is another influence. It's hard not to say that if you do the kind of work I do, because most of the work I do is conceptual.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and yeah, I think that pretty much is a fair list of artists that have influenced me.
0: So, in 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 looking at it. What would you say, like, when I, when I look at, like, other podcasts, because I, I, I became aware at a very early in this whole podcast journey, I was like, nothing's new here, you know, it's like, we're just guys talking on mic and girls talking on mic and everything else in between talking on a microphone and trying to act like we know something, Um and but I, I think with it, as you learn more, listen to more and experience more, you take little things here and there from other podcasters and apply it to how you approach it, whether it be editing techniques, whether it be segments within the pod. Um, and, and and that's what I've become more aware of recently. In terms of the artists that you're most you know influenced by or that you kind of like hold in this, this prestige, what would you say, you know, something is something that you kind of take from them or maybe their approach that you implement in your own work?
1: Well, Jasper Johns, I didn't mention, and Rosenberg also, <laughs> I forgot to mention. <laughs> and I'll start with them. I'll, I'll use them as a better example because it's, it's more apparent in the type of work that I do that is influenced by the, their practice. So I make bricolage sculptures in a bricolage is a sculpture that's made of things that you have laying around and you make them into art to to, to, to take on a context and a narrative.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so an example would be a piece I did called uh, Justice, Peace and Genuine Respect for All People. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Now that title comes from the uh, Scales of Justice it's like the meaning of the scales of justice okay it, it travels with the, the scales of justice as the, as definition yeah and so what i had done is i took i took a bunch of books yeah made made, made them into uh two towers yeah on top of some Playboy magazines that were sandwiched between two prayer rugs. And the books were anthropology, legal, and medical books. And I had two chairs that had placed together to make a tete-, tete chair. I think I'm saying that right. It's French. I'm not, I don't know how to say French. But basically, they're two chairs that go beside each other, and they're kind of back-to-back and side-to-side at the same time. They yeah. allow you to sit beside someone and look at them kind of facing them, but you're beside each other. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it also means a balanced conversation. That's kind of the meaning of t-t-t-t-t. So I balance these chairs on top of two towers of books. Yeah. And on and they're balanced with a Bible on one side that has a, a gilded. Anvil, the, the thing that the judges use.
0: Oh, the gavel, yeah.
1: Gavel, gavel, thanks, bro. <laughs> gavel. <laughs> uh, a gavel, I gilded a gavel, put it on top of the uh, vintage Bible that came from my great-great-grandmother. And then I took, on the other side, I have an ebony, a vintage ebony magazine that talks about Nixon being for black, for Negroes. Uh... On the cover, and and then it has a silver tray with enslaved African picked cotton inside the tray. Wow. Uh, and so I, that's that would be an, a great example of how I use the inspiration of uh, Deschamps, Jasper Johns, and Rauschenberg because they work with all of these same materials that I just mentioned.
0: And in, and at, I think in the uh, you mentioned the bricolage earlier and when i what i was doing the research because I, I was online stalking you for a little bit man i was like yeah. this ain't good man <laughs> But I, I was looking <laughs> into good. it and i was just like wow like i'm, I'm learning i was in in, in just kind of continuing this notion of feeling very privileged to have the opportunity to to kind of chat with you in this forum um oh. so yeah much much appreciated or what have you because you know um being able to visualize it in the way that you described it, that's 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 really interesting. Like now I want to see it, you know. <laughs> so I, I read this quote and I I, I dropped the person's I believe way uh, way uh, the quote about artist life. Um, life is art and never separate them. What are your thoughts on that quote? And, you know, have you had any experience where, you know, artists taught you like some of those life lessons? And I know that's a very like broad and open ended question, but if you'll indulge me.
1: No, it's not a broad question at all. Um, The year 2000, I was selling cars and painting. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought I was painting full-time and I was selling cars part-time. And that's the year I called and quit because I recalled an episode of Oprah Winfrey. I only saw one episode of Oprah Winfrey because I worked in the daytime yeah <laughs> and i had a long lunch break i saw this oprah winfrey and basically make a long story short these women were quitting their jobs to live their dream and so i guess five years after seeing that episode i recalled it and i'm like i'm doing what those women did yeah so i called my boss at the time and said hey i'm no longer selling cars. i'm just going to be an artist the rest of my life and then i made a promise to myself that i wouldn't do anything that's not art related the rest of my life, no other jobs. Only jobs I do are related to art and culture. So in doing so, the thing I realized in my practice as an artist is that it's a lifestyle. It's not a job. And as a lifestyle, it's the same as that quote. This is what I, I live as an artist, me practicing specifically putting paint on canvas it's not me being an artist. Yeah. That's just a tool I'm using to convey and express things. But me being an artist is me. Yeah. And everything I do is about art. Everything. I mean, even the AAA program that I did. I saw you gave me some love on that. <laughs> it's, that's, that's, that's an art practice for me. Yeah. You know, because it's about lifting and, and it's about expression and it's also about sharing and that that that's what it is for me and that's what i believe what an artist that's what an artist does
0: and and yeah i i, I agree with that and i i'm in this kind of spot where you you have these conversations about outside artists and and so on and have and and and, and then talking with folks about what I do and, what that, and how that fits in it. And it's like, oh, you're just a marketing guy or you're just a guy that talks. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm an artist. Nah, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> yes, you are.
1: Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you live in a creative lifestyle, I consider you being an artist. Yes. So, and I get, in, I get in many fights about, you know, I'm not, what's the word, possessive on being an artist. Well, I'm not possessive in anything for the most part. I let everything go. And <laughs> I believe anybody can be an artist. I'm one of those artists that believes that anybody can be an artist. If they really truly now, everybody can't be a dope artist. I
0: mean.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but everybody can be an artist. I mean, you, you, I, I just believe that. Yeah. yeah I believe that.
0: And, and and I think in doing this this podcast, I I I feel validated in that as well. Where you know people tell me that, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if you're right. I, I I think what I do is is this, and really owning that, and owning where I fit at in it, and even with the folks that have been on air, like you know, some of the circles. I remember talking to the homie Thomas, um, James, and he was just like, you're talking to everybody. You're talking to people who are want to come up. You're talking to people who are well-established. He's like, you're out here. And I was like, eh, you know, I'm just... That's what's up. And, 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 it, and it makes sense that, you know, people need to have that opportunity really to put their their stuff out there and you can present what you're doing through your work. But also sometimes it has to be like, what are you talking about? And here's the opportunity to really share your story in maybe a different way. Right, right, right. Um, so this this is a question I really like because um, I'm, I'm very interested in when people get their ideas, when they hit them. Um, like doing something mundane, like something that's low focus, like taking a shower, washing the dishes, ironing a shirt or something can spark creativity and give you some of your best ideas. Um, when do you get your best ideas? When are you hit with that spark of creativity?
1: In my REM sleep, um, lately. Lately, I've I've been waking up with ideas, um, which has been very, I would say, rewarding—a rewarding feeling for me. The past few times has happened, um, but very recently, I've I've up having like smashing ideas about things that I want to work on, um, and and in the process of working, I I mean, because I'm I'm kind of going with the flow, and the process, I may. Start off with a specific content, a narrative, but the actual making of the art is about the making of the art. And so that's one of the things I like to always express about me and what I consider in my art making is that. It's yeah. really for me to process about the thing because I always consider the nothingness of something becoming something more. Yeah. You feel me? So yeah. we start off with nothing. It's a blank canvas. So it's a blank idea. And then once that idea sparks and you bring it to life, that's just a beautiful thing. It's like a plant growing, you know, yeah. so that that's how it is with me. When I'm in it, I can just come up with stuff and just keep it moving.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that, too, when you're um like sometimes I feel very almost like like being, I'm like, I don't have any kids, but almost like that vibe of seeing like your kid graduate or something. It's like, yeah, this was a nothing idea initially. There was nothing there. I had like maybe the space, the opportunity or the time, and then seeing it get to its, oh snap, y'all was able to, you know, uh, do this event and it has a podcast component which is a, a, you know, art talk and then it's a cultural thing. It's bringing people together and it's a movie night and all of these different things and It's like, wow, this was a nothing idea that now it's a thing. It's here. It's right there, living, breathing, and people are here and they dig it. And it's like, wow, this came from nothing. And that's a really good feeling. Yes,
1: it is. Most definitely.
0: Um, This is something I've recently become aware of the term. Uh, Tell me about validation markers in the art world, because you have a very unique perspective, I think. And, you know, being a curator, being around it, working with various publications. Like, What's a
1: validation marker?
0: I never heard that. <laughs> so one w- of those things of like, yeah, I got, um, uh, I popped up in this art magazine or what have you. That's a checklist. And it's like someone else is telling you you're worthy based on you hitting some acclaim or something. And uh, that's something I heard recently and you know the best of list is out for Baltimore right now and some people are, oh I'm the best artist in Baltimore and I really feel that that's important and not everybody feels that vibe you know what I mean so when it comes to those I guess validation markers and such what what are your thoughts on someone being maybe driven by someone else's approval someone else's like like kind words from a critic or have you
1: I think that's a major mistake. I think it's a major mistake, um, and it's not an easy one to avoid. I'll also say that, uh, but it is a mistake, and it takes maturity, I would say, to not to be able to not go that route, and not be able to have to live that route, because obviously the maturity comes with living in that route. Yeah. You know, I've been there. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah you know, but I guess after getting a couple of things happen, you know, it's like, okay, man, I'm good. And I mean, I'm always wanting more. Yeah. I was in a conversation earlier today with a colleague about, you know, wanting more, more exhibitions, more acquisitions, more museum shows. I mean, I always want more, but I don't, and I also shared that that's not the reason I do what I do. I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate, I'm, I must say that, I don't necessarily, I don't have to sell my paintings or sell my artwork to pay my bills anymore because I mean, I've accomplished some things that, yeah, I'm just very fortunate. And so I don't have the stress that a lot of people have, yeah. you know, to survive, um, which i just got to say, I'm, I'm really appreciative of having this lifestyle. There's no doubt. And so that also, I think shields me from the validation marker yeah. desire. Because, yeah. I mean, I could die and then the work could do whatever it's going to do after I die. I mean, it is what it is. Right. is. I'm just making the work though, because I, I really like to express myself this way. It's something I've been doing a very long time now and I don't see me ever doing it until the day I die, stopping doing it until the day I die, so. um I don't need any any validations, you know, I really don't need them. I do want people to love my work and understand it, to appreciate it. Those are the things I want people to, to, to I do want, want that desire of people to be able to understand what I'm trying to present. Um, and it feels good when people do understand it. Yeah. But I also, like I said, I know I'm dope, so <laughs> it's all good from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think it's that, that spot that I'm in now And doing this, this podcast thing for about 13 years And just now getting that acknowledgement of Oh, we think what you do is great And I almost distrust it Because it's like, I'm not doing it for that reason It's like, that's nice, thank you But also, I'm doing it for a specific purpose Or so what have you And it's like, I'm trying to impress myself I'm trying to get over the hump because right. exactly. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of times, like I was exactly. sharing with you earlier, you know, I don't- I'm in competition I, with me. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know a lot of the guests that I interview and then somehow in a 30 minute conversation, somehow I get a friendship out of that. Right. And that's a right. testament on this conversation went really well. And that's something that I wasn't good at. I was like shy as shit. I was like, I can't, you know, go out there and talk to anyone. Uh, so like when you literally, if you see me at a thing and I'm like like looking off-putting and I'm trying to keep that mask going to cover my feelings, it's legit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and um, it's hard being 6'4 and like 300 pounds and trying not to be seen.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, don't do that. <laughs>
0: Um, I got a few more, um, questions for you before I get to those rapid fire ones. Um, so when, when taking on a project and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, more holistically what have you, cause we've, we've talked about, you know, I think what you're doing is like an, an, an umbrella It's like multiple things that make up with the practice. It's curatorial side, the, you you, the painting, the, um, uh, other, other pieces of your practice. What are some of the first things that come to mind when you're taking on something, when you're investing your time and your energy, um, to a project or what have you, what is like the first thing that you do What's something in the middle and what's something that's, that's in the end. And I know that's dependent on the type of work, but if, if you have an example, that would be great.
1: Well, I would use Devin Allen's Spaces of the Unentitled as an example. Okay. So before taking on a project, I have to believe in the project. Also got to know and feel that there's some healing quality to the project um, for the community. Um, Also there's some kind of community-driven application to the project. Um, And in the end, like I I guess the healing portion is, is a major part of the project. And so with Devin, here he is an artist who had just done, Uh, the Freddie Gray uh, uprising photograph that made the cover of Time Magazine in 2015. And he wanted to do a a solo project about the gentrification and the displacement of Black families in East Baltimore and where he was going into vacant uh, homes that were about to be torn down and he would go and take photographs and collect the the memories that were left behind, sort yeah. of, I think are his words. And uh, I was just taken by that project because it had nothing to do with what he was already famous for doing. Right. And I felt there was a healing process in that to awaken many people who may have, that may have slipped by, that these homes actually had furniture still in them, you know, um uh, photographs, memories, and a lot of these places were left behind. And that would be a, a great example of how I took a project and I went and I approached the Peel Museum. Yeah. That was the, actually the first exhibition that I curated at the museum. And uh, there was we had a lot of firsts with his exhibition, there's no doubt. That was yeah. awesome. And the reason I joined with the Peel was a lot of the history that the Peel had, first of all, that I was unaware of for more than three quarters of my life of living. Uh, And the fact that it was the first museum built in the country, it was the first place to have indoor gas lighting. The guy who built the museum designed gas lighting Then got the contract for Baltimore City to put the gas lighting in the streets. So we were the first city to have gas lighting. Then he started BGE with that company. Then the the family moved. I don't know what the hell they did. The the (laughs) the city got the building. Then the city turned into city hall. It was the first city hall for the city. Then it was the first black school. They called it color school number one. It was the first school with black children were able to go to secondary school so they could become teachers to teach other black kids in elementary school. Bam. I'm like, what? I didn't know this. And then it happened to be the first place where Devin Allen had his solo exhibition at the museum, the first museum where I curated an exhibition. It was first, 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 first. So yeah, um, that that would be a good example of why and how i take on a project.
0: Thank you for, for sharing that. Actually, um, this is probably going to pop up there. Um, I sent over some of my work to put in archives there, um, you know, because I'm documenting these different stories. And it's just like, right. shout, out, shout out to The Peel. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Shout out to The Peel.
0: Um, so this is the last real question I got for you. And um, at, at times I, I feel like um, artists are trying to balance and, and I hear it a fair amount here, because um, this is where I'm at. Uh, and and, and you know, I did the spinoff as well. That's in um, that was in Austin, um, Texas, and kind of a similar sense there. That folks are balancing opportunities with scarcity. It's almost like scarcity is is planned in. There's not enough grants out there. There's not enough opportunities for you. And sometimes those opportunities present themselves and they may not be the best for you at that time. So creatively, what are your non-negotiables? How do you determine, and I, and I think I have a sense of this, but how do you determine what you're just, you're not going to work with, that you're not even going to entertain?
1: <laughs> if artists aren't getting paid, don't even think about calling me. That's first. <laughs> if y'all have money to pay the artists that are going to be talking, showing up, or, and I don't mean me, I mean anybody that I'm going to bring with me, Or you want me to bring, or whatever it is, you got to have money. And I also don't think that there's no money. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's always money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a real thing. Like, um, you know, I've been, as, as I touched on a little bit there with the, the Austin spinoff, I've been hitting up these other cities with this notion of kind of spreading like Baltimore's still home base, but I've gotten some, some good, you know, feedback from folks of you should take this on the road. You should kind of try to apply this in different spots because it's happening in various places. So I literally go there kind of with that approach of, I know y'all got bread. I know y'all want this told and you want to put your names on it. And yeah, I've been hearing a fair amount, like, yo, you should get up there to Boston. I was like, all right, it's on the list and making that um, an area of interest and people reach out, they see the work coming out and they're like, okay, how can we be aligned with what this whole thing is and how can we help our artists get in this platform and get more eyes and ears on their work? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's kind of it as far as the, the real questions, but now I got some rapid fire questions because nobody gets away. Not not, not Devin Allen getting the way. Not not Kondwani. Not you. Not D. Because everybody a book, gets away. I'm a open book. book.
1: All right. I had no problem. So I started off, but I'm a crack addict. I mean, I can't go no further down <laughs> than a crack addict, bro. So
0: this this, know, this you, is this <laughs> is true. This is true. This is true. Um, all right. So, do you support any sports teams? What do you have? Any teams? What's that mean? Support? <laughs> like like I watch. Only Yankees Oh, hell game.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. So so the first thing I'll say is I'm a sports fan. Okay. No, that's not, I'm not a fanatic. I guess I'm a fanatic. I don't spend money on much sports. Yeah. But let me just answer the question. Number one, Lewis Hamilton. Let's okay. start with that. Yeah. Okay. If of all athletes and everybody in the world that does sports stuff, Start number one with Lewis Hamilton. Favorite. Everything. All right. Secondly, what, and for those who don't know who Lewis Hamilton is, Google him. Sir Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. God damn it. There's cars related. <laughs> cars related. Speed. <laughs> um, but then um, basketball would probably be the thing I've watched next the most. Okay. It. But it's not Formula One. It's basketball would be the next thing that my DVRs kicked into. And um, I I like the Wizards because of proximity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But I don't really necessarily have a favorite team in the NBA. I have favorite players. Okay. Because they always go in different places, you know? This is is
0: true. This is true.
1: (laughs) Um, So I go with the the superstar players, man. I just love seeing them do their thing, man. Ja Moran. Ja ja Moran. I think yeah of uh of the of the uh Grizzlies. Grizzlies. The Grizzlies is dope though. <laughs> Grizzlies they dope. The Grizzlies are dope, of course. Uh, Stephen Curry, come on! <laughs> I mean, there's no way you can say you like basketball and say you don't like him. This is that's true. just impossible. You ain't real. <laughs> you see? that's like saying you don't like Kobe. You know. <laughs> Um then the LeBron, kind of the, the usual. Yeah, the usual. I get, you. I get you. The ones that are really good at what they do, the ones at the top of the game, I love, I just I, yeah, I'm drawing the people that's at the top of the game. Like I said, yeah. Lewis Hamilton, LeBron, <laughs> Carmelo, homeboy, you know, he's from the home base. Yeah. And he came came he came back in the NBA and lit it up. There's no <laughs> doubt. I so yeah, man. I love basketball. Um, football, man, I'm all right with it. I'm a Ravens fan. I can say that.
0: Okay. You know, I love to hear
1: it. Proximity. I've met a few of them. I know a couple of them. They're real cool. So yeah, and, and yeah, and I, I got some some connections with that. So yeah, the, the Ravens, I'm cool with uh, loving that. Um, what's the next question? I guess I answer. Uh, baseball. Yeah. I really don't care about baseball.
0: That's, that's, that's my, that's my favorite sport. So, you know, I'm just, that, I'm just yeah, I one of those it guys. I'm one of those guys. Boxing,
1: <laughs> you know, tank. Uh, I used to be in a UFC back in the
0: day. A little, little bit. And then it got a little too uh, red state-ish for me. A little too many of these uh, geeked out yeah, yeah, white dudes. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, yeah. couldn't jam with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, silver.
1: What was the brother name? Alexander Silver, something silver. Anderson Silver.
0: Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Anderson Silver. Woo! The, the spider. Ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. He was killing it. Except for when he broke his foot. Did you see that?
0: Oh, yeah. I watched that joint live. It sounded like a tree snap. Me too. Me <laughs> I was like, this is good. And but he was this, going to win that fight. And you know, the thing, the funny thing about it, the guy that he broke it against would later break his leg in the same spot.
1: No, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I did know that because it was Griffin, I think, right? Nope, that was uh, pff, it's some dude from Jersey. It wasn't Griffin. It's this guy from Jersey. I'm blanking on his name right now. But oh, okay, um, okay. yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's funny how those things kind of happen. Uh, so that's rapid fire. Here, here's the next one. Here's the next one. Uh, if you're, you're dope, like, because you said it's dope, you're dope, all of that good stuff. Uh, if you had a mascot, what would the mascot be? <laughs>
1: so if I had a mascot, <laughs> hmm.
0: You know, I had to follow it up with the sports after the sports question.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean like a sports mascot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say if I had a mascot, it would be a lion. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it would be a lion. Um, if I had a mascot. It's chill and <laughs> dangerous.
0: <laughs> and and it has like the it has like the really <laughs> has the ornate hair. <laughs> Right,
1: well, the hair <laughs> part we see I've
0: lost that, but I, I mean, you, you're in the same same, I'm dope, ferocious. Brother. <laughs> I'm ferocious. Um, I, I, I would probably have a crocodile because I'm cold blooded. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, it, that's it. <laughs> um, what is your least favorite beverage? I've had some people come on and say, Yo, I don't mess with water. What is your least favorite beverage? Sodas, that's okay. easy. Sodas
1: and, and sugary drinks, juices, and shit with artificial flavoring. <laughs>
0: <Ew>. <laughs> I dig it. Um and here, here's the last one. Uh what is your um recently, what would you say your worst purchase was recently? Like just something like I spent way too Oh, much that's easy. That's
1: <laughs> real easy. Um, a wireless this wireless uh charger. I'm going to give it to Chris Wilson. <laughs> <It's laughs> this thing is a piece of junk. It does not work with a Samsung. Uh, <laughs> no, Mofi. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> oh, and I got a pair of off white some brace send back. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. So like, get them out of here. I don't want them.
1: I'm like, man, this ain't right. Just I not fall this money. They ain't supposed to be falling apart. But I have. I have a few pasts, <laughs> the only ones that fell apart. So I'm all right that, with all that,
0: that, I love all that, that made me very happy. That, that went a lot better at the end than I was even expecting. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much everything that I had for today. And I, and I thank you for, um, for taking the time to chat with me and indulge me. Um, so with that, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. And I want to also invite and encourage you to tell folks where to check out your work, your background, all of that good stuff.
1: Jeffrey, that's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, because there's so many ways to, man, I got to say this real quick.
0: You got a minute. <laughs> so I went
1: to get lunch today at our house at my favorite place, STEM. It's a plant-based spot at our house. <laughs> and this woman spelled my name Jeffrey like this. J-E-F-F-E-R-I-A-H.
0: Whoa, jeffrey <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm like, wow. That's interesting. I had to keep that. I'm gonna save them. I'm put that in some art on one day. But anyway, <laughs> uh it's Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, K-E-N-T, dot com. That's my my uh my email. I'm not my email.
0: Your website. <laughs> my yeah. website.
1: And um, my IG is the at sign I T I S Jeffrey Kent. Yep. It is Jeffrey Kent. And that's the best two ways to see what I'm doing and so forth.
0: Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Um, I want to, again, thank Jeffrey Kent for coming on to the podcast and, uh, you know, spinning a yarn with me. Um, so I'm Rob Lee and saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.